Hi guys, welcome back to Must Apps the Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host Stefan Neff. Another fantastic day for an interview. And this interview is so timely because certainly in my world, both in my immediate environment and in all fairness within me, there is a lot of chaos reigning at the moment. And I certainly feel constantly like rolling with the punches. Um, I found myself in recent days and weeks more reacting than acting and reacting to the things that happen around me. And I've let them in like some, like as all my, my protective power, my shield is failing here and there. And that is an interesting insight for me. And I'm so glad that I've got Anne Hintz with me because this woman has been in a, in a similar boat and has started to learn more about her body, her mind, her, her subconscious, those things that really can make such a huge difference for us. And she has truly transformed from inner turmoil to inner peace. And that is bloody cool. So I can't wait to talk to Anne. Welcome to my show. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Looking forward to this. Uh, first of all, I, I need to give it away. Anne has actually painted these things there that you see. Those of you who are on YouTube, um, beautiful paintings, a bit of astral things happening there. Uh, it's just something that I would actually buy. Um, so well done. See, guys, you, you get the, the art show here for free on my channel. What shall I say? Uh, and it's beautiful, but but there is there is so much more to you. So maybe tell us your story. Tell us how did it all start? You didn't wake up as a small child and think, "Hey, mummy, 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 I want to go from inner turmoil to inner peace, and I will teach others how to do that." <laughs> no, I certainly did not. <clears throat> yeah, I had uh, quite a bit of trauma in childhood from different things. You know, I was born with my right foot up against my right shin. So my first six weeks of life, I had physical therapy and then I was given away for adoption. So that was going to happen anyway, but I had to wait for the physical therapy. And I was adopted into a family that had just experienced a trauma because they had my older brother, well, you know, my adopted brother who was two, and then they adopted another little girl and they raised her for six months. And then that birth mother changed her mind and took that baby back. And I was the replacement for that baby. So they had to go through that first six months again with another baby, which, you know, think about how difficult the first six months is with any child. But then to have to do it back to back and not know for sure that this birth mother wasn't going to change her mind as well. Wow. So I know now that that actually got stored as subconscious trauma because um, I kind of experienced what that was like late. I didn't recognize that it came from those early years until I'd gone through this process a long way. But um, that happened. Then we moved around the world. We lived in Barbados first. When we lived in Sierra Leone, we had a house fire. I was the one that woke up, saw the flames coming into my bedroom. So that was there. Um, in Sierra Leone. Then we moved to Hong Kong. And while we lived in Hong Kong, I was sent to boarding school in England. My brother was already at the boarding school and it was a boys boarding school. So I was the first girl boarder at a boys boarding school. Okay. 
<laughs> Keep going, Vixus. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, actually, it's actually it's spooky. Okay, very, very spooky here. And I did not know all of that. Um, as it so happened, I lived around the world. I lived in Sierra Leone. Um, I was there for six months. Um, I was uh, one of the uh, one of about nine boys in a girls' school of nine hundred. Um, so keep going with your story. Uh, you're my wow. long lost twin sister for crying out loud. Keep coming. Okay. Well, those two years at the boys boarding school were really hell because I was oh. teased horrifically and mercilessly for those two years. So that really sat inside of me. And then, you know, went to teenage years. I actually went to a girls boarding school next. And we we moved from Hong Kong to Bahrain. Lived in Bahrain. Have you been lived in Bahrain? No, no, no. no. Okay, <laughs> that's finally where we diverge. Okay. <laughs> um, but during my teenage years, both of my parents became alcoholics. Uh. So that was a difficult time. I actually believe that my mother. They always drank. Drank. You know, we we lived. We were from England. Pubs were part of life. Um, you know, even when we lived around the world, they were always drinking and but they didn't do it to such an extreme. And when I was 13, my brother was 15. That was the time period we lived in, in England, in, in Cornwall. And that's when we were told that we were adopted. We weren't told till 13 and 15. And it was that time frame as well that my mother asked if it would be OK if she left us. And if she left us with our dad, who had a lot of anger issues. So we said, no, I mean, I don't know what else I would have said. I didn't want the family to break apart. I didn't want her to leave. So she wasn't strong enough to make her own commitments of what she needed to do for herself. And she stayed. And I think that was probably the turning point. I don't know because she's no longer here and I never asked her, but I think that's where she really started drinking more and more. And then when I was 19, uh, we were told that she had cancer. She had throat and lung cancer, I believe, from smoking and drinking. So we knew that she wasn't going to survive much longer. But I woke up one morning and found her dead in the bathroom. And it was a tumor that had burst in her throat. So it was a sudden death. We weren't expecting it at that point. So that was a big trauma for me at that time. And I didn't know what to do with it. We never talked about emotions. I, I didn't even know what therapy was. I didn't know it existed. So I didn't know there was anything to do other than just carry on with life and suppress it all. So that's what I did. Yeah, so then it wasn't until I was in my late 30s. Now, I hadn't been a very physically healthy person in my 20s and 30s, and I did a lot of dietary work. You know, I did cleanses and fasts and tried to actually get healthier that way not realizing that a lot of it stemmed from my past. So it was in my late thirties and I had like a business altercation with a couple of other mothers. They thought I'd done something wrong. I didn't think I'd done something wrong, but my mind just went out of control, was spinning and going over and over what had happened and how they talked to me. And, you know, these were two very self-confident women and I was not. So I couldn't sleep for days and, and it was at that point that I realized, oh, you know, it feels a little bit like how I would react when my dad would tell me I'd done something wrong. And that was the first inkling I had that maybe there's some things in my childhood that I have not dealt with yet, which sounds kind of funny to say that at this point. 
given how much I know there is or was. <laughs> oh, we don't realise that. It sounds like a cliche. And you think my childhood, uh, you, you get in some Hollywood films, people make jokes about it and then they down a vodka or whiskey and, and it's all fine. And yeah, um, yeah. So it's beautiful that you went down that road. So keep, keep going, keep going with your right. story. <laughs> so it was around that time frame that I went to a doctor's appointment. I don't remember why I went, but he recognized I was more stressed than I should be because I was a stay-at-home mother with two young boys, which can itself be stressful, but he recognized I was more stressed. And so he asked me on a scale of zero to 10 what my stress level was, and I said it was an eight, and then he asked me why. And that's when I knew it was finding my mother 20 years earlier at this point because the tears were still just under the surface, right? They would, they would, my eyes would water just when I thought about it. So that's when he used this technique with me. It's called EFT, short for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's also called tapping. It's a little odd, to be honest. <clears throat> so he used it with me for about 15 minutes. And I walked away from that appointment, being able to tell the story in my mind without the tears there. And that was the first time I realized that we actually hold these memories and these emotions physically stuck in our bodies and that we can actually release it. So it was it was eye opening for me. So I went home and learned it because it was given away by the person who developed it for free, Gary Craig. He just gave it away. So you could you could go and learn it online. It's available for free. Anyone can do it. You can learn it in about five to 10 minutes. It's very simple. And that was kind of that's some times part of the problem, right? You don't think anything that simple is that powerful. <clears throat> but I, 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 was, I was an engineer. I was a software engineer. I had that kind of mind as well. So I, I liked to know something works before I spend time using it. So I wanted to test it out. So I had an old cat at home, 17-year-old cat who was failing. So he was, we were told we needed to give him a daily saline shot, right? An injection of saline. And I hated injections, always did. I had so many because I'd lived all over the world. Maybe you did too. <laughs> um, but the first time I gave him a shot, my hand was just shaking. I was so afraid of doing it. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it every day. It was ridiculous. So I thought, well, I'll try EFT. So I tapped. We just tap on certain places in our body, specific places, same ones each time. I tapped while I was talking about how afraid I was of hurting him how afraid I was of the injection itself and all my memories around injections. And the next day when I had to give him the shot, the needle just slid right in. All that fear that I was holding inside me had just disappeared. And that's when I realized how powerful this technique was. Hmm. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, hell yeah. Um, it is... I've, I've been privileged to a lot of trauma myself great um but it is actually great because it also then in turn brought me uh together with many people who maybe are living on the fringe of western medicine let's put it like that i mean here i am an anesthetist like you more a scientist kind of approach yet i had always an open mind so i've got a very good and dear friend belinda who is a healer 
And so she uses tapping as part of her healing system. And it is bizarre because it actually does do something. But don't guys, don't, don't go nuts out there and think, oh my God, they have lost their marbles. Just switch off here. Just hear us out because it's not just, it's just, oh, there's a problem. Let's just tap there. And uh, oh, I get a headache now. Uh, no, it doesn't work like that. There's a bit more to it. And 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 will will enlighten us a bit more about it. Okay. But yes, there is there are so many healing modalities out there. If you actually let yourself finally come off the, the hamster wheel and uh, be guided by someone who actually knows what they are doing, at least in their belief system, and go along with it, you're amazed sometimes where you end up. And since trauma comes in layers, um, your your breakthroughs will come in layers as well. Um, so maybe one session after tapping will, will not do anything, or it might deal with something actually where you think, oh, I had I had PTSD and, and I didn't realize that because I had so cleverly disguised it into positive things. And um, I finally ended up with three sessions of hypnotherapy. Um, again, inner peace, uh, which brought me down to a very, very beautiful subconscious level. And that together with talking to this beautiful woman, Nikki, love you to bits, Nikki. Um, so here you go. This is, it, suddenly I had that inner peace from something where people could say hypnotherapy, you come on, you've lost your marbles. Again, there is so much out there that I was privileged already to experience on my body. So therefore I very much listen to you with high interest. Um, and I think to to give to give my my attitude away is very simple. There are so many things that we have no clue about um, that Western medicine cannot explain. That the the link between the 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 soul, the the deeper subconscious levels of our body and our real body, our physical body is so intense, but we have no bloody clue about it. It's only about the last five or 10 years that the, the scientists start learning about it with more functional MRIs, we can suddenly see things happening. So there is so much um, where now like medicine is catching up with things that are sometimes 3000 years old when you look at meditation practices, um, you know, so therefore there is so much there. So Guys, if you if you think this is all mumbo jumbo, just hang in there for a little bit and just let and talk. And let's actually explore a little bit more uh, because the proof lies in the pudding and uh, the pudding is about to be served because I know where where story where Anne's story goes and continue. Okay, good. I just want to throw in one thing there is I, I believe at this point that the more trauma we have in childhood, the greater our capacity for spiritual growth. Doesn't mean we'll go there, right? As you just said, you have to make that decision. But once we do, I think we have a greater capacity for that growth. <clears throat> or a greater need even, or a greater, something like imagine you're an arrow and you're being pulled back. The more trauma is, the more pull is on the arrow. And then once you, once you release it, the chance that you are going... Far. Right, but it doesn't necessarily we do necessarily mean that we actually do that work. My, my Touché. brother didn't. My brother has already died from alcohol, you know. So, and exactly. he had similar trauma. Yes, so, exactly. And please, yeah. please keep going and like sure. me because. So amazing. I started to use. I started to use EFT every day. I started tapping. I started noticing. That's the first 
part is actually noticing when we're becoming emotional during the day. So I would notice that and I would tap. I would tap and come back to peace, let that emotion out. So I might be frustrated that something's happening. Hmm. Someone's pulled out in front of me. I tap, let it go. And as time went on, it got easier to notice that closer and closer to the time that it happened. Sometimes, you know, oh, yes, I, yeah, I can look back at the end of the day and realize, oh, I was emotional then. But, um, you know, as time goes on, you can catch it more in the moment. And I noticed my mind starting to become quieter, but I wanted more. And I knew that you could write down every memory from childhood, every trauma. I used every emotional memory from my earlier life. I wrote them all down, multiple pages, three or four pages, I think. And I tapped through one each night for about an hour to an hour and a half each night. And I found my mind becoming quiet. I remember opening my kitchen door and just thinking, this feels like I'm living in a different reality because that voice in my head, the one who used to talk to me, criticize me, judge other people, that was no longer there. And that's when I realized that was my dad's voice. It was my dad's words that I had programmed into me in childhood and they were no longer there. And it felt so different. I think, and, and please, it is it is mind blowing because ultimately that voice has become quite strong in recent weeks again with me. These voices and these kind of repeated flashbacks of things that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago, yet they, you know, my brain still gives me flashbacks literally to that. And I've got a physical response often go like that as if someone punches me in the stomach. Um, but just prefer the memory of <laughs> the memory That's what of you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it typically happens when I'm driving, so I can't just. It's <laughs> 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 so maybe a bit tricky. <laughs> I've got a right. wrong car. I still need to have hands on steering wheel. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Think- I don't. I don't agree. I don't suggest anyone does that to begin with. But after you've done it enough, I yeah. mean, I can e- easily tap yeah. when I'm driving, no problem. Yeah. Right, but that's a good point. It is. If what you are saying is actually to to rephrase it. You have done actually a lot of work on yourself. You have learned a lot of insights, and then you've started practicing. Similar to someone going to the gym and started working out. The first few times you feel like an idiot, and the first few times you feel you feel weak and oh god, what am I doing here? And then two months later, you're a very different person, provided you have actually put the time in, the repetitions in, uh, regardless of what it is in your life that you want to work at if you want to become a master in it well there are 10,000 hours that are waiting to be done in that field before you're a master like it or lump it doesn't matter if it's a violin or if it is uh, mathematics or if it is whatever it is equally imagine if you were actually to spend 10,000 hours learning about your body learning about your mind learning about what really deeply inside drives you and then learning ways how to manipulate that for the greater good for your for your to, for you to become a, a a person that you like more than the person that you are now how amazing would that be yeah and so it's finding those words right and actually or that voice in the head and you can tap using you can repeat those words so much of our life we actually spend putting up a barrier 
or rejecting what it is we're actually thinking, right? So, you know, after, I don't know how many months of doing this work, but I became better at accepting because it's all about accepting what we're actually feeling in the moment. That's what tapping does. We, mm. I'm feeling sad and that's okay, right? And yeah. I can tap on the sadness. So I would, I actually got to the point where I tapped on, I hate myself. Now, people will say you shouldn't say that, right? So many people say, don't say that. You shouldn't say you hate yourself. But if that's what I'm actually feeling, mm. if I tap using that and let the energy of that phrase mm. go, then there's no charge to it anymore. I can say I hate myself and it's totally fine, right? There's no reaction inside of me. Mm. So I also tapped on all my triggers, right? We've all got triggers, right? You don't want to say this to that person, right? I think we're when we're growing up around alcoholics, we know there's triggers. <laughs> we can say all sorts of things. So if I've got triggers, that's my reaction, right? I react to something. So if I tap on those triggers and let that go, I'm no longer triggered by the same thing, right? And I started to understand the law of attraction. You know, people use that in terms of manifestation. I'm not talking necessarily in terms of trying to do anything, but it's working all the time. Every second of every day, we're emitting a signal and we're attracting back into our future based on that signal. So how can I change what I'm getting in my life? I can only change it in my now by how I'm feeling right now. My reactions are big signals. So if I'm reacting in anger, that's my signal and I'm attracting it back to my future. If I want my future to change, I can change this reaction right now come back to peace. And then that's my signal. So do that often enough, right? The, the same trigger, catch yourself in the reaction, tap it out, come back to peace. Your signal is now peace. So next time you won't react in quite the same way. It will be less intense mm. and do it again. Then, then the next time there will be less intensity again. And eventually it's no longer a trigger. And you're changing your future when you're doing that. So I started to ask myself during the day, say, well, how am I feeling right now? And do I want to feel this way again in the future? And if I don't, well, then I'll tap off or I, even I'll take a deep breath, right? Come back to peace now. And then that's my signal. So I, that's what I used quite a lot on my journey. But what I realized EFT is doing is opening up the subconscious mind. It's allowing a greater depth of awareness. So I started to become aware of how I felt during the day, aware of my emotions, because I hadn't been in the past because I'd suppressed it all. So I became aware of the emotions. But then underneath every emotion is a set of physical sensations, right? So we use the word frustration or anger or sadness, but sadness is a set of physical sensations, Right, because we'll we learn this in childhood. We say to a child, when we see them feeling a certain way, we say, Oh, you're sad. Then we start to use that word and we dissociate from those physical sensations. So this is reversing that process. So I started to become aware of those physical sensations. I could actually feel them in my body. Now I couldn't have done this when I started. But now I'm a year or two into this process and I could feel them. Now, some people like empaths already have that feeling, right? They can feel those things in their body. So I was just developing this. And when I got to this point, which was felt like the second step on my journey, 
I would actually not tap anymore. I would focus my attention on those physical sensations Mm. and I would hold my awareness on it and it would shift. This tension that was inside would shift. Mm. So I would actually do this at the kitchen sink. I'd, I'd be doing the dishes, think a thought, recognize that thought was emotional, right? I was feeling frustrated or or fearful was my normal. When I recognize this thought is fe- has fear underneath it, I feel where that fear is in my body. And I would stop. I would hold myself like a statue so that I could focus on that tension. And then it would shift. And then I'd f- think that thought again, feel it again, and it would shift. And I would do it over and over again until that thought no longer had emotion attached to it. So if I was thinking that thought, I hate myself, right, which I talked about, I would feel it again and again and again and again until it was free. Hmm. So I call this feeling of feelings kind of an obvious name, (laughs) but it actually took some practice to actually be able to do it because those feelings, those sensations were so used to being suppressed. They didn't know how to be felt and accepted and let go of. Oh, that's no, look, honestly, this is so important what you're saying there, because that's that's ultimately why we drink. We want to escape our reality. That's why we use sugar. That's why we use sex, why we use gambling, all that. We want to escape our reality. Um, we hate certain feelings. We don't know what to do about them. We even the when they start coming on, well, when they start coming on, most of us don't recognize it to start off with. And then when they're at their height washing over us like like a tsunami wave, then then you say, oh my God, I really don't like that. And then you very quickly go to what your body has learned is such an effective coping mechanism. Because there you go. You've got at the moment you snort that line or put that tablet in your mouth, ah, suddenly the pain disappears. You don't have to cope. You don't have to think. You and the feelings change. How beautiful is that? So been there, done that so many times with alcohol. Um, and the very first thing you do in recovery or in, in 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 your rehabilitation is that you stop using. So the first first week in rehab hospital are not nice. So because you're actually getting detoxed and but then very quickly, the very first thing, the very first few sessions are about feelings, are about you actually feeling your emotions. And it's, I often talk about it, it's a weird session because you're sitting in a circle, no uh, sunglasses, no hat, nothing in your hands, nothing is allowed to distract you. Um, and then our facilitator just sat there and said, nothing and there was this leaden silence they've got 16 broken people around and sooner or later someone would say something and then someone else would say something and they might be discussing that ah i'm angry with you because you ate all the chocolate last night and there was none left this morning uh in the on the on our kitchen sink and suddenly there was anger there was joy there was fear there was there was all kind of emotions coming up in these sessions and we had not felt them or if we felt them in the past we we would try to push them aside and distract us but you couldn't 
So this was actually uh, one of the most dreaded uh, rehab sessions every day, but yet one of the most important ones to actually go through emotions and see what they do to you, how they feel, how they taste, how, what how, what makes your skin tingle. Oh, the skin tingles. Why does it tingle? That, all of that stuff. Um, it's amazing. So yes, be aware of it. And that is that is in, in so many healing processes. It's such an integral part because if you don't do that, you are a slave to your emotions. You're a slave, literally. You're a Pavlov's dog. Honestly, someone looks at you in a certain way. So your subconscious mind has some weird programming. Uh, then the next thing you know is you're reacting with anger, frustration, or sadness, and you lash out or you withdraw in yourself. And suddenly there are tears, and you think, "What the hell? But how did that just happen?" But that is why it happened. Okay, so coming back to you, and you're so right there. Emotions, learning what these little critters actually are such a fundamental part of becoming a better person isn't it right and it's actually feeling them allowing them to be there mm. so they it's just stuck energy that wants to release right so it's for me it was really useful to have that experience with the cat and the injection because i knew then freedom was on the other side because right, some, sometimes we feel like these emotions are going to annihilate us and we don't want to look at them. But once you realize it's just stuck energy, it's living in your body, right? The memories don't exist outside of us. They're just inside of us. Mm -hmm. And if we can feel those feelings and let them go, let that energy escape from our body, which is what tapping does. And it's what feeling your feelings does. It lets it escape from the body. That's where freedom is. And you can't really... Imagine it really until you've experienced it a few times and, and you realize, yes, that is freedom over there. And that's what I kept seeing. I kept seeing changes and I wanted more. So I just kept going. So at this point, I, I knew how to feel my feelings, right? So I, instead of tapping at night, I would actually lay on the sofa and I would bring collective traumas to mind because I'd done the you know, my traumas. So we all have our own experience of collective trauma. So I would bring something like 9-11 to mind, feel all those emotions and those sensations in my body, let it go, do it again, think it again, let it go over and over until that thought of 9-11 was then free. There was no more charge inside of me. So I would do that each night. Now, at some point during this process, I realized, I could keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had released. The only way I can really explain this is imagine you have a toothache or a stomach ache. You can pinpoint with your mind where that pain is coming from. But once the ache has disappeared, you can't really get back to that place again in your mind. I found I could keep my awareness inside my body. And I was working in my lower right abdomen at the time. And I could put my awareness back inside. And it was really weird. Never heard of anyone doing it before. Didn't really know what I was doing, but I just kept playing with it. It's like, can I do that again? That, that's weird. Can I do it again? And if I can, and when I can, can I just move my awareness around? And I realized that I could, and I could find tension. I could tell the difference between tension and no tension. So I put my awareness on tension and then I would do the same thing. I would hold my awareness on the tension and it would shift. 
And then I would put my awareness back there and it would shift. So I'd do this again and again, but now I'm doing it at a deeper level than the physical sensations and a deeper level than I was with EFT. So I would do this over and over. And it took multiple months. I don't remember how long, but it was a long time before I could actually put my awareness inside my head. And when I could put it, the awareness inside my head, I was actually blown away by the tension and the pain that was in my head, the, the forces pulling my bones out of alignment was just incredible. And that was really when it, that law of attraction thing solidified in me. It's like, if we have so much tension inside of ourselves that we have no idea of, I had no idea that I had this much pain and tension inside my head. So if we have that much force pulling us out of alignment, then that's got to be affecting us what's happening now and what's happening in our future. So I just worked over time, did the same thing, held my awareness on the tension, it would shift again and again. And now at some point I'd released enough tension that I actually heard and felt something release, sounded and felt like old fabric ripping. A little scary the first time, didn't really know what I was doing. In fact, that's when I researched it and realized I'm actually moving my awareness through the connective tissue. And this was a bond in the connective tissue that was ripping, it was releasing. And so again, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just kept going because I figured I'm only releasing an attention. There can't be anything bad about it. So I just kept going. And over time, I could actually feel my bones in my skull relaxing into um, what I now know is a more aligned position. But I was just releasing that tension and feeling the bones shift is pretty wild, to be honest. <laughs> but I, but they were. And so over time, that tension has dissolved. I still have a lot of tension in there, but it's not anywhere near like it used to be. And so that's why it was really great last year to have the x-rays taken compared to 2013. So I can actually see the physical changes that have happened. I didn't even know those bones, um, the eye socket bones could move, but my eye sockets have aligned. My jaw, which was way off to the side, is now more in the center. My neck, I have scoliosis, and I think it was probably from being born with my foot um, up against my shin, because my whole body is torqued. So that is releasing, it's unwinding. So my neck is straighter and I have grown half an inch as a 55-year-old, which is pretty cool. Wow. And again, just for someone out there who doesn't, who has not been exposed to these kind of things, that sounds like so bullshit. Yet, if you were to go to an osteopath, what would this osteopath do? He would very closely go over your body, would look at alignments and would click a bit here, move a bit there, put a wedge in underneath your pelvis there, press on points that you didn't know you had. And when you ask him, what the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm releasing your iliopsoas or that is your diaphragm I'm releasing. Take your hand out of my chest, we you. And it's <laughs> weird things. So osteopaths do that for a living. Okay, so if you think that, and oh, this is a bit out there, well, actually, no, no, because here we are with an osteopath, you would expect it. You would say, ah, that makes sense what he's doing, especially when you ask him, and why, why don't they, why do they do what they do? 
And interestingly, the osteopath that I went to, um, I he did a lot of work on me, and it was actually really made me feel good. And often I levitate out of the out of his sessions, really nice. So he was adjusting me, but. The problem, of course, is why was I being pulled in all these funny ways? Why did I need adjusting? And there's this, of course, that is your that is the question that you were working on. I was working on as with the ambulance on the bottom of the cliff, um, trying to release the tension um, with the help of the osteopath. Now, this particular osteopath, Brad, you're my man. Um, he was uh, at times there were no hands on me but he was standing uh, over me, he was doing things. And one day I suddenly thought my pelvis just, just collapsed, but in a good way. It was as if he had done a really almighty click somehow, but there, was, there were no hands on me, but my pelvis went just... And I thought, what the hell was that? And only then did I realize that this man was a healer as well. So he used energy and he used uh, different different ways of connecting with the, the tension in my muscles. And he affected a release there. And that was the moment when I had a breakthrough and I actually realized, hang on, there is so much more to to osteopathy and to, to your body because there, I experienced this link between, between my physical tension and my inner peace. When I said levitating out of his sessions, well, I was suddenly aligned. I was suddenly in peace. I felt really good. So here you go. So a very similar experience coming from a very reputable thing. I mean, thousands, millions of people go to osteopaths to get them aligned. So how about starting from the other end? How about starting with the emotions that are pulling you into Freak, freaky, funky alignments. Wouldn't that be interesting? Oh. Mm, it is interesting. And it's all connected, right? It, I think I'm working in the connective tissue, which is everything. So I might release something. I might work on what's calling my attention in my yeah. left cheek, yeah. and it will release something all the way down in my right foot. So it's 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 all connected and and I will release enough now that I mean my neck will crack I'll, mm. I'll hear things crack multiple times a day mm. because it's just coming into alignment mm. enough has been released enough emotions enough tension mm. that it is realigning so yes which is beautiful and again if you're if you're thinking well what has that tapping to do with your foot we now if you if you really work on on expanding your mind, you could look into acupuncture. Acupuncture in the traditional Eastern sense has to do with chi, with energy flow in your body. And there are certain highways in your body, they're called meridians, and there are certain points, which are sort of the, the, the stops on the highway, um, the filling stations on the highway. Um, and you can tap into those filling stations. You can actually tap, you can do acupressure, which is uh, basically uh, releasing energy or making sure that the congestion at the filling station, uh, come on, boys, come on, fill up quicker. Now you don't need to keep your, keep your car standing there. Just drive over there and get your ice cream and then the other guy can fill up. And suddenly the congestion on that on that filling station is, is gone and you can sort of move on. So that's what 
acupuncture does in a in a very simplified way. But again, it works on the tissues. It works on energy flow and realigns you. So therefore, there are links there between different parts of your body and also between the outside of the body and the inside of the body. We see that as, as uh, Western physicians, if we actually really pay attention, there's the, the field of functional medicine and psychosomatic medicine, which link very closely those things that go wrong in your body with actually your mind, with actually your thoughts. And there can be very, very powerful causal relationships. So again, this is something that is getting more and more recognized more accepted in daily practice where we can have so many breakthroughs in in my my field of interest my sobriety because that's where i started ultimately numbing myself or trying to escape so much of my trauma that i that i completely relied on alcohol um now my last 8 years they were a complete renaissance I must say, Renaissance also in, in, in a degree of awareness about those links in my body. And, and you, you brought out quite a lot of thoughts in me and quite a lot of realizations, which absolutely are, are, are aligning with what you are saying. And when I see it in, in just with different examples in, in, in medicine, in, in allied uh, health, uh, therapies it is beautiful it is absolutely beautiful what you're saying and the experience that you had uh the x-rays that is an amazing thing that you can actually prove to yourself that uh that your skull which we think is formed and will forever remain the same um that you can actually change it and you think oh come on what a bullshit Yet you go to the orthodontist who puts some funny alignment things on your teeth. And six months later, your teeth are looking different. So you accept it there, but you don't accept it with your skull or you don't accept it with your spine. So come on, guys, you can't have one and then say the rest is bullshit. So, okay, now, so how about let's open up a bit and let's actually start exploring. For that, you need to stop. You need to actually stop and feel. You need to actually stop being afraid of yourself. And yes, you carry demons. Um, you carry trauma. And, and I don't think your, your, your story was easy for you. Because if you experience the, all these, these traumas again and again, until the emotional side falls to the wayside, that's still a hell of a lot of negative experience so were you never tempted to to drown yourself were you never tempted to escape in another way you speak a lot about the, the positive things and your transformation really into this far more aligned and conscious being just beautiful but uh, every there's yin and yang so even a very aligned conscious person um there is uh, a little other person in there who wants to do different things who, who is that Anne? <laughs> well, she was in there. I mean, in the past, I certainly, I certainly use food to suppress things. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to end it all when I was a teenager, but not since starting this journey. No, I, I really am a different person. I mean, I don't really think about that. None of 
the traumas that I talk about have any emotional charge left inside of me. Mm. So that's not who I am. So things, I mean, things improve along the way, right? That burden that I was carrying has been lifted. So I feel lighter. I am more physically aligned, physically balanced, both internally in terms of reactions and externally, right? My physical being is more aligned and just things improve exponentially along the way. The thing that I work on along the way is noticing when I'm not, when I am reacting to something, right? So for a long time, I didn't watch the news because it was too much because I already had enough of my own stuff that I had to deal with, right? But I've I've worked on that. So now I will watch the news because I want to know what triggers me. Because if I can find something that triggers me, I have something else to work on. I have a deeper level of peace to attain. <laughs> okay. So that's what I do. Exposure therapy. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that's okay. That's interesting. Well, again, that's something that is used in phobia treatment. Uh, so that is certainly one way how to deal with phobias um, by talking about snakes and then maybe playing with a toy snake and then uh, looking at a real snake and then touching the real snake until there is no more emotion there. So exactly, a very accepted uh, treatment for some people for some phobias. There you go. Uh, and it's an intriguing thing. But I like what you're doing because ultimately you're taking action. This is not something that just fell into your lap. You just actually thought, huh, you had one breakthrough. And you said, okay. And you were not satisfied with that. You said, okay, if I have one breakthrough, what happens if I now just dig a little bit deeper there? And it's that search, that constant thirst, that once once you, you harness that, it makes you such a different human being. Because you always want to search for more. I personally, I've come such a long way. There's so such a huge way still to go. God, there are still thoughts in my head which want to tell me that I'm the biggest failure, that I'm worthless, hopeless, helpless. That how dare you speak into the camera? You're a bloody imposter. All those kind of things. Right. So all those words that you used right then, those were things that I tapped on, right? That I'm worthless. That mm. Who am I? Who am I to be doing this? Right. Mm. All those words, if I tapped on them or felt those feelings, mm. they will, the emotion behind them will disappear and they will stop coming into mm. my mind. And that's beautiful. Certainly that the tapping works for you. And that's beautiful. I'm really, really pleased for you, honestly. There is it's a simple method and and you have taken it to a master level uh, in actual fact. But it was not just the tapping. The tapping was one way of you realizing what was really going on. I think that many of the insights that you described to me was certainly that your analytical mind came to a relation, uh, found a relationship that then brought you peace. You understood suddenly what was happening and your mind did not endlessly search for meaning when you suddenly said, huh, that's the breakthrough. That's exactly what happened with hypnosis and PTSD with me. Once, uh, once Nikki opened my eyes to what was happening and uh, asked me the right question for my mind to come to the right answers, I thought, huh, okay, it's that easy. And 
suddenly there was no longer the emotional turmoil, the emotional torture every every morning at three, four o'clock. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Um, so the the funky, intrusive thoughts and dreams are a thing of the past. They from now and then come out, but nothing too wild. Um, so, but it was it was recognizing that, and that's that's again something that you pointed to, and I just want to emphasize it. You were talking about empaths who have already an innate ability to feel the links within your body, to feel what is going on. Many of us don't. Many of us are just distracted and we have lost the ability to tap to tap into our emotion. <laughs> Wrong choice of words in this setting. Um, to actually um, to, to see what is happening in your body. Um, we have lost that ability. We are simply responding uh, like, like like animals and that is that is something that uh, you can very easily change but it's not something that happens quick um, it's something that happens as i said the healing happens in layers and it won't happen all at the same time it can't because your body your mind would melt if suddenly all the trauma comes out and you have to deal with absolutely everything no 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 no, no. how do you I, eat I I, that really came home to me once when I was able to put my awareness inside my head, yeah. right? If I had been aware of that pain and those forces early on in the journey, I could not have dealt with them because it was too much. Absolutely. So each step along the way, you're just shown the next step and then mm. that work on that. And then you're shown the next one, as you said, layer by layer process. And it, you actually made the time in your life to deal with that you said you actually wrote the negative thoughts down now that would have taken quite a few hours but you actually didn't distract yourself you actually did the, the work you did the hard work and i really got, wanted to change ah uh, uh, a good point good point and maybe that's you're highlighting that for me because the last time i did something like that was basically early in my recovery that was eight years ago so maybe high time because if I'm still saying there are these intrusive thoughts uh, in the sense of these like of little voices that do the imposter, well, let's write them down. Let's write the traumas down. What were the last 24 hours? What triggered me? What, uh, how did I respond? And actually truly put a spotlight on yourself. You might be amazed what is coming out. And then you've got two, three pages, in, as in your case. Um, and you might say, whoa. And then you look at it and one thing will stand out. That is for sure. Because you have actually form, a form formulated um, something. You've written it down. So suddenly there it is in front of you. And the, the exact words that you have written down were chosen by your subconscious. So it was not perfectly made up prose. No, it typically comes out and then you read it and think, huh, okay. And it will stand out and you can deal with it. And then... Once you've dealt with that, come back to that list and something else will stand out and you can work with it. So suddenly you break things down into manageable sizes, little bites that you can actually start going. That, that How do you walk 10,000 miles when you start with putting the right foot forward and take the first step? Don't look at 10,000 miles, look at the first step. And then you've done the first step and okay. 
after a few steps, you're warmed up and suddenly the first steps hurt a bit, but now you're going and, oh, it's actually quite nice. And that's exactly what recovery is like. That's exactly what healing is like from healing from the, the trauma that inevitably you've had, guys. And when we say trauma, this is not a competition. Um, who has got the goriest memories? Who has got the worst possible trauma? No, each trauma is unique. And it might be little things in the eyes of some people that really have such a huge impact on you. The way your mom spoke to you uh, the first time when you were excited about, look, 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 mom, let me show you. Oh, go away. And this, uh, this, this rejection, betrayal might be such a deeply laid thing that then in subsequent weeks, months, years, that was just imprinted more and more and your body recognized oh look the way he or she talks to me that's betrayal uh, that fits into that little category and then you lay it on trauma upon trauma upon trauma you take the axe and hit the same bit in the tree well guess what that that scar in the tree will get deeper and deeper and deeper so yeah time to actually find those scars and time to actually start healing there but it will take time and you will find on your tree, you will find so many imprints of access. It's no longer funny. So, and you're, you're an amazing woman, Anne. You're, you're, you have actually allowed yourself to become open to that. You have allowed yourself to, to look deeply inside and begin experiencing your body with an insight that is lacking in so many other people out there. Yeah, it just took dedication. I think one of the things people don't realize is it feels really good to release tension that's been stored in the body for that long. Yeah. It feels really good. And even working at the level of just the memories, just the words, working with something like EFT at that first step, it's still releasing dis-ease inside the physical body, mm. right? So I love that analogy of the the, the tree and the, the mm. cutting of the wood, you're working at that deep level of the physical tree, even when you're just tapping out of a memory mm. that you remember something happened and someone said mm. something that you didn't like. So, you know, my story goes deeper and deeper and I'm actually working on the, the cutting of the wood itself, right? Oh. Deep inside the wood. But each level, it's still, it's all working on the physical. And I think people don't realize that, right? They talk about having a psychosomatic disease mm. and they, they're afraid because they don't think that sounds right, doesn't sound good. But all of this dis-ease is stored in the body. It doesn't matter whether it's thoughts mm. or whether it's like something physical and mm. you know, what we think of as a real disease. It's all still in the body and mm. this whole process is releasing that. And that's indeed that's that's so important. And let's let's again talk more modern Western insights or medicine insights. Uh, probably up to ninety percent of of uh, diseases that are treated by doctors are actually at least partially or wholly um, con uh, caused by stress. So by the turmoil, the outer turmoil around us, and often enough the inner turmoil in us. So if we were suddenly to learn techniques um, that allow us to come to inner peace, wouldn't that be an amazing thing? If we suddenly can reduce your risk of high blood pressure, reduce the risk of, um, of a stroke, of a heart attack, of all those kind of things, 
by simply you doing a spring cleaning up there and learning new techniques. Would that not be cool if you could actually undo the damage of time? Now, that sounds stupid. Come on, Stefan, you've lost it now. Well, no, here you are. And you have healed yourself. You say it yourself with the x-rays. The issues lie in the tissues. So by you releasing the tension uh, in your mind and then the tension of muscles that pull the wrong way on bones, if you suddenly have that all changing and your body and give your body the peace and relaxation that it needs to heal. So you get out of the fight and flight, out of the adrenaline and cortisol into the parasympathetic nervous system and actually start experiencing um, meditation, uh, techniques such as the tapping, uh, any, any technique that you that makes sense to you and that allows you to move forward into that direction. How beautiful is that? So, and there are quite a number of techniques out there. So it is, there is so much out there and not everything is for everyone. So, and maybe you don't get access to certain things in your neck of the woods, but you know, if you were actually to start exploring, you would be amazed what you, who, which wonderful people you can align yourself with, uh, who you can learn from. So, and if, I mean, you have good, you're, you're convinced about your method that has certainly helped you and is, is, is allowing you breakthroughs in your own thing. And I know you, you want to share your, your, your knowledge. Um, are there, where can people actually find you? Where, where, um, how does it work with you? I wrote a book. It's called uh, A Pathway to Insight. And it talks about how I believe we store this in childhood yeah. and, and through the years and how we can release it. And then the different steps, the EFT, the feeling of feelings, yeah. the putting awareness inside the body. Yeah. So that's that's available for anyone to buy on Amazon or you can ask your local bookstore to order it. I also have a YouTube channel that I have a demonstration of EFT on there, demonstration of feeling your feelings and some other things. And I have a public Facebook page that I'm happy to interact on. And I love explaining some of the, yeah. the memes that go around these days. Um, some of them, are, and from my experience, some of them are not necessarily true. They're not necessarily explained correctly. So uh -huh. I love doing that. Very good. Very nice. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube channel or of the podcast, because I've got all the links of Anne down there. So, and. I'm so grateful that you came onto my show because we could look actually at this beautiful transformation of yours and see one modality that you perfected and, and mastered and it really suited you. It, it grew you into this new human being. Uh, it would be cool to be to look forward into the future to see who the new Anne will be because you keep going and working on yourself. You keep exploring and learning and, and expanding your mind. So we're all on this journey. I can't wait to, to see in, in a year or two years the, the leaps and bounds that you have made because we're all, all changing and it's gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. I'm releasing in the bones right now. I'm releasing in the the bones in the face and the palate and the tooth roots. So yes, I believe I'm releasing at the subconscious level at this point. And yeah, it will be fun to know what's going to happen next. <laughs> but if we have a moment, can we just talk about what's happening now? 
yes, right? go for what's it. happening around us. We there's so many things happening out in our world, right? There's divisions all over the place. And I want people to realize that, you know, we we think it's out there and that we don't have any control over it. But what we do have control over is how we feel about certain things, right? So if we're watching the news or watching a politician that we don't like and we feel that anger, frustration, whatever inside of us, we can let go of that. That's what we have control over. And once we come to peace, then that's the signal we're emitting. So we're attracting peace back into our future. So the more of us who do this work and find that inner peace, the more we're actually going to have peace in our future, is my belief. That is very true. That is very true. And that's the reason that actually certain forms of meditation, transcendental uh, meditation are increasingly recognized um, by corporations, governments, etc., um, to be utilized, introduced at schools. Um, so if we actually can do those kind of things, suddenly in schools you can measure that sick days, truancy days, uh, et cetera, go down, um, test results go up, those kind of things. So if we start introducing all those skills at an earlier level, and we are now looking at society and bring out a greater awareness uh, in our society, maybe it starts more in the, in the little bubbles that you can affect uh, in your family, et cetera. I would dare to to say that, wow, will that not change the relationships within your family? Will there not be more peace and serenity in your family? Less fights, more openness and, and transformation? How cool is that? And if we accept that then, okay, wow, look at what, where our family has moved to. Um, what happens if we were to do that in the street? It looks a bit funny because <laughs> your neighbors might just think, okay, now that's that's... Now, stop here. <laughs> but and they might not be ready, okay? Remember also the, the pupil need to be ready to meet the teacher. And unfortunately, when it comes to alcoholism, 95% of the alcoholics are absolutely convinced, no, I don't have a problem. No, 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 go away, go away. I'm, I'm all happy. So it might not be the right time now. And if you feel some great rejection or think, ah, oh, what a hocus pocus we have discussed today, maybe that belief system comes from a point that you are not ready yet to hear it. Um, but hopefully we've planted the seed. Hopefully we have, uh, we have shown you that here are two individuals that are constantly changing, that are morphing literally into new human beings. And that is... That is amazing. My my heart should be fucked, basically, because um, genetically my dad died of his fifth or sixth heart attack uh, in a few years from now, i.e. Um, I maybe have another 10 years or so. So based upon my genetics and based upon my drinking, crikey, honestly, I should be toast. Yet I've done last year, I've done some advanced scans on my heart and my coronaries are clean as a whistle. And you think, what the hell? This should not happen. So I thought they had the wrong test results when I got them back. And bottom line is I have worked with both on my nutrition and both on my, on my soul for quite some time now. 
and I've undone changes that were no doubt there. So like you, you've got your x-rays, I've got my coronary scans where I can say, okay, my liver function tests, okay? So you can heal. You can physically heal things that you never thought you could do. So with that, I want to wrap up and want to say that the past does not equal the future. And don't give up because bottom line is you might be dreading water now, but hopefully we have guided you towards a, a direction that might help you to actually steer towards, towards more purpose and towards more healing and towards more, more a path of enlightenment, if these are the words that ring a bell with you. But certainly transformation, certainly something that, that makes you a new, wonderful human being where you're proud to wake up in the morning and you actually can't wait to get up and, and, and explore more of the beautiful day that is awaiting ahead of you. Um, very different to how most of us are starting our days. So that's, I think that's where healing truly comes, comes into its own. So, and um, what an amazing, amazing talk. Uh, you are an amazing woman. Thank you so much for trying to make this world a bit of a better place uh, with your technique. So thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Thank you. It's a great conversation. <laughs> and you guys out there, look after yourself. Bye. Dream.